Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hey, so How are we doing this week? We're good this week. We are. You're really good. good. You're on a high and we love to see it. Yeah, it's lovely. Lovely to be here. Um, (laughs) It's nice to arrive at this place. Yeah, finally it's been a while. (laughs) No, we, on the weekend, for those who don't know, we hosted an event. It was for the intentional weekend. It was such a nice thing. It was our first time ever hosting a live gig. In person. In person. And yeah, we were. It was so very- beautiful. It was just an intimate gathering of other mamas, and we just chatted about motherhood, the highs, the lows, the real, the good, the bad, the and everything in between. There was laughter, there was tears. It was just. I feel like it was one of those things that's like makes you feel like, oh, a bit of normality is yeah. coming back. Like people are gathering in real life. People are putting in the confidence to actually plan an event. It was just, yeah, it was special. nice. Kind of felt like we were on the other side a little bit and it was so special to meet a few of our beautiful listeners. Yeah, and so hopefully more of them can happen as we go. But any highs and lows of the week? Well, that would be the high for sure um, and the low... Do we tell them? Yeah. Okay. Um, we were supposed to be going to New York this Thursday, <laughs> Friday. <laughs> we're not going to New York this Thursday, Friday. <laughs> we're not going to New York this Thursday, Friday. So the fabulous is that we got invited to go. The rude is that we got uninvited to go. <laughs> we didn't get uninvited. We actually don't even know the reason, but um, it's not happening. And you know what? We we move on, we wipe our tears and we wait for something bigger and better. <laughs> I don't know what's bigger than New York, but nothing, we'll wait nothing. for something that's maybe yeah. slightly inferior but still cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my love my high of the week was definitely last night's event. My love of the week is croup. Man, oh, oh, like I don't even know why I pay for daycare at the moment. Poppy was off two of her three days last week. Goldie's off today. It's just relentless. It's relentless and they seem so fine sometimes during the day and then the minute your head hits the pillow to go to sleep at night, it just begins and you just lay there waiting for the next time they wake up coughing or even they don't even wake up coughing but you're awake and then you're anxious because it sounds horrid and anyway, it's it's just shit. So anyone else out there dealing with croup or sick little bubs, um, my heart goes out to you because it is exhausting. But hopefully they're over it soon and it's not a sign of what's to come for winter. <laughs> okay, so do we have any rude or fabulouses? Look, to be honest, the whole rude or fabulous is the commentary that has surrounded our bonus episode from last week. Our bonus episode, if you haven't listened yet, you should. It's about in-laws and the problematic things that they can say or do. If you're struggling with your in-laws, it might make you feel like, oh, maybe they're not that bad. Or if you have good in-laws, like I do. The other day I sat down with my mother-in-law and I said, can I just say thank you? (laughs) Because the stories that have come in are just, even the ones that have come in after people have listened to it, are just absolutely wild. They're so wild. They're actually like, it's almost, they they seem made up, but you know, they're not. That's just in-laws. And now people are asking, let's, let's now focus on parents. Like let's not even do in-laws. Let's just do parents, move straight on to them. So, you know, we might do that. We've got a few things up our sleeve, so we'll see where we land on the next bonus app. But um, one of my favourites that got sent in that we shared to our stories was one day my partner brought me home flowers as I'd had a really bad week at work. My mother-in-law got cranky because my partner didn't buy her flowers and made him say that they could be for her too, to which she posted all over social media, my darling son bought me flowers. I'm so lucky to have him directly after I posted the same flowers thanking him. It's just... 
It's not right. It's not right. It's not right. And can we all remember this when we potentially one day become mother-in-laws ourselves? Because it's not right. It's not right. We have to listen back to this uh, bonus app and be like, all right, we need to like pull our heads in a little bit here. (laughs) Now, today's episode, we chatted to the beautiful Gemma. She's a lovely lady that Jade actually met recently at an event and they got chatting and Jade was like, hold on, stop telling me anymore. You're coming (laughs) on the potty. I'm farming you for content. Uh, She talks all about, I guess, her journey with her sexuality throughout her life and then finally making the decision to leave her partner when she realised she was gay and I guess what she had to go through in terms of that. I think it's such an important episode for not just people who are questioning Mm. their sexuality but also for those who are just, I guess, questioning their relationship or just to better understand kind of what sexuality is. Yeah. No, it was a brilliant episode. She spoke really, really well and we hope you enjoy. Hello, Gemma. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Uh, Before we got started, we were just saying that you and Jade met very recently at an event and you couldn't shut one another up. And Jade (laughs) got to the point where she said, hold on, hold that story. We want you on the podcast. Now, I don't know too much about your story, so I'm just going to be responding and asking as we go. But can you please introduce yourself to me and to our beautiful listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, so uh, my name's Gemma. I'm a single mum. I've got an eight-year-old boy and a six-year-old girl, and I am gay. Amazing. But there's a little bit of a story before we get to all of that. Mm -hmm. So maybe take us back, I guess, what was your upbringing like? So great upbringing, great parents, Grew up in a household where both my parents were flight attendants. So the gay community around flight attendants is huge. Like we just had always been brought up to think that that was normal. We we didn't know any different. The only thing was that the whole time my dad was gay. And that was a big sort of family secret, I guess. So we were brought up thinking that it was okay, but then dad had this shame around it, I guess, that he couldn't quite bring himself to be gay. And then when I was in high school, I fell madly in love with a girl. We were inseparable. And I was like, oh, I think I might be gay as well. And that was super frowned upon, which was shocking to me because we just had always been brought up that that was okay. And yeah, I could tell that I guess maybe my dad was disappointed. And then when me and this girl stopped sort of hanging out, there was his side of the family were like, oh, we're so glad you're not hanging out with her anymore. Your dad thought you were gay. He was so worried. And they didn't know at the time that he was? Um, They, like, I mean, I know that I've got an identical twin sister, we both knew. I didn't know that. Yeah. We both knew. My mum knew his whole side of the Because you'd life. been told or you'd put two and two together? We had definitely put two and two together. I don't remember too much about it, but I know at school it was always like, oh, your dad's gay, your dad's gay. And we were like, yeah, but he wouldn't say it. And then his whole side of the family were like, there's no way that your dad's gay. Like your mum's crazy. He's not gay. What about your mum? Did you ever ask her and, like, what did she say? I remember once, do you remember those old Sony Ericsson flip phones that were, like, bright blue, bright yellow, like <laughs> mm-hmm. 2000? Yes. I remember asking Dad if I could send a text message off his phone and there was a message on there that he just sent saying, love you, kiss, hug, kiss, hug, kiss, hug. And I don't remember this, but apparently I went up to mum the next day and said, did dad send you a message last night saying, love you, kiss, hug, kiss, hug, kiss, hug? And she was like, no, your dad's never sent me a message like that. And I was like, oh. So your parents were living like together. in inverted commas together to the world. To the world and and to us as well. But I know that they had separate bedrooms, I think, when we mm-hmm. were kids. And I remember mum going, like, I remember her saying, who do you think he sent that to? And I'd straight away said the man that we had all presumed that was going on. Mm-hmm. And apparently even when we were like really, really little, there were so many things looking back. Like I remember coming home from school one day and they were like swimming in the pool naked. 
And, but me being like 13, just being like, ah, they were like, oh, it was hot. We were gardening. We were just swimming. And I was like, yeah, okay. It must've been pretty confusing that it's like, it's really okay for everyone to be gay, except our family can't be gay. Like that must've been really like, you never judge anyone else. Like that's, you know, a normal part of life. Anyone can be with whoever they want to be with or whoever they fall in love with, except for us. We can't do that. Yeah. It was very confusing. So then Anytime I'd had, I remember being 19 and getting ready to go on a date and dad being like, who are you going on a date with? And I was like, oh, just this girl. And I remember he lost it. Like he flipped out. And I was like, oh, okay. So I just like went, being gay is bad. And that was like the last time I was just like, this isn't okay. Had you felt to this point any attraction towards men or boys? I guess you were pretty young boys. Well, I know I always had boyfriends in high school. Like I probably went girl, boy, 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 girl. Mm. And then after that was just boys because it was so shut down. Yeah. And I was like, okay, no, I have to be straight. That's normal. Like that's what yeah. I've got to do. So that's the path of least resistance almost. Yeah. Like that's, you know, and then I would have flashbacks of like my auntie on the phone being like, oh, thank goodness. Your dad was so worried about you. And I was like, oh, I don't want being a people pleaser. I was like, I don't want anyone to worry about me. Like I want to make life as easy as I can for everybody else. So never went there again, just shut it off at that point and just went, straight. Isn't it funny? His insecurities just got absolutely thrown onto you and was like, yeah, there is no way you can go down that path. So it would have felt like he was attacking and being quite, you know, overpowering. Don't do this. Don't do that. And you'd probably be sitting there going, well, fuck you. Like I can tell that you are, but then at the same time, he's probably so terrified that you would go down this secret life like he has lived. Yeah. And that would have been quite hard for him. Yeah, to like I, I don't think that what he did was right, but I guess you can have, I guess, some understanding in the way that when he was growing up, like it's like when we were speaking to Scott about gender stereotypes, like when he was growing up, there was probably times where being homosexual was illegal or, or at least extremely, it, extremely frowned upon. Yeah. And then he's obviously lived this life that you know, I guess probably could have been easier if he was out in the open, but a life of shame. And then he's projecting that shame onto you because, you know, as as a parent, all you want for your child is for them to have, I guess, as easy, smooth sailing, happy life as possible. And he probably links his sexuality with causing a lot of sadness because it's been under wraps. Yeah. And his family are like great, loving family, but I noticed little things growing up. I remember breastfeeding at a cafe with my dad's sister and she was like, oh my God, Jem, if your Nen was here right now, she would be disgusted in you. So there was Mm. always just that sort of old fashioned way of doing things where they wouldn't have even realized what they were doing to dad by saying all these little things. Cause as an adult, I was getting like the, I cannot believe you're breastfeeding in public. And you know, things like that, that I'm just like, oh, okay, I kind of get why dad was a bit more like, no, yeah. no, bad, 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 because that's like, the generation. without even meaning to, his family were doing that to him because it's generational. 100%. Yeah. So then what happened? So you were 19, you were going to go on a date with a female yeah. that got shut down. What came next? Um, And then it was weeks within that, I met the kid's dad. And he's quite a little bit older than me. So I was like 19. He was 13 years older than me. So he was a bit more like probably like established. You know, I was still living with my mom and those kinds of things. And a few weeks after we got together, I got rushed to hospital and had surgery. And then after that, I I think I had in the two years of that, like, five surgeries for endometriosis, polycystic ovaries, just everything going on down there. And he was there the whole time and he was so supportive. And at the start of that, we'd only been together for, I think, maybe 
eight weeks and he mm. took a week off work and like my stomach was all cut open and he was the one helping. And then after that, the doctor was like, you need to have a baby right now, like, or you will never have a baby. That could have been a year into it. And then I think I was on fertility meds and treatments for a year to fall pregnant. And it was great. He's my best friend still. Like we talk every day, but that all happened so quick for me from like living with my mom and being 19 and then having like this whole, you need to have a baby right now. Yeah. You didn't even have the chance to think, do I actually want to have a baby and do I want to have a baby with you? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just, it all just happened so quick and he was so supportive. He was the best person ever. So we were just like, he was like, well, you know, if, if you want to, like, if this is your only chance, I'm happy to do it with you. And so do you feel like you were in love with him? Yes, I do feel like I was in love with him. Still am in terms of the kid's dad. Of course. Um, it was different. Like I, and uh, there was, there's, there was a love there for him as a person. Sexually, I always just thought I was asexual. I just thought I do not like sex with anybody. Like I'm just, so I was like, damn, I wish I was normal and enjoyed sex so it's hard to say like I loved him completely the sex thing for me was always a big deal my whole life because I just thought I didn't enjoy sex so when you say that is it like there's no like sexual feeling towards intimacy with him yeah but that was it's so hard to say because again I was so young I can only talk really with that more maybe after the kids were born. So we we had the kids and I didn't know why, but like any time we, we would have sex, I would be like, I have to go to the toilet and I would just start crying because I just didn't want to be in that situation, but I wanted to be like normal and do it because everybody was doing it. And then it got to a point where I was just like, I don't know how long I can keep forcing myself to be in this position because each time it was getting more like, ugh. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm to the point of tears, but I feel like there's periods postpartum that even if you are with someone that you were very sexually attracted to before, the thought of having sex is like, uh. So I imagine that was pretty confusing as well because it's like, is it just because I'm in this postpartum period or am I literally not sexually attracted to you? and your but entire gender. Prior to babies, I found I was forcing it. And yeah. I was like, am I just using this excuse of endometriosis and polycystic ovaries and the pain? Like, is this me coming up with excuses to not do it? So it was, it was going on for before the kids, but after the kids was when I noticed mentally I was struggling with it more, mm. when I was just like, I can't keep doing this. And then I think maybe Vega, my youngest, would have been maybe two at the time. And I sat him down and I was just like, hey, I'm, I think I'm gay. Like I was like, I thought, you know, I thought I was this, but I'm, this is where my head keeps going. And this is what I keep thinking of. And like, what, I don't know what to do. And I think, being so honest was so important to me because I didn't want to handle things the way my dad had because mm. I saw the toll that took on his mental health and I didn't want, I would have done everything he did completely different to the way he did it because I saw the toll it's taken on him for the last 33 years. So I just sat him down and told him how I was feeling and he was like, let's have an open relationship then. He's like, if you feel like you want to be with girls, you go be with girls and I'll go be with other girls that want to. And I was like, perfect. Great. Wow. Sounds like a perfect scenario. And what, he he responded like that straight away? Straight away. We'd always had conversations in the past about being in an open relationship and he's very open-minded. So yeah. I was still scared, but I knew it would be a good conversation and how many people would be like that? Like I, like for him to just straight off the bat be like, yeah, okay, let's try this. I was just like, win-win. I get to keep my family. I get to keep us all under the same roof and I get to 
get that out of my system. That is really impressive because I feel like there's that old school disgusting thing that it's like, oh, he's so shit that he turned her gay, you know, like, and I'm not saying that's right at all. And that's not what I feel. I don't think someone can just turn you gay, No, but how incredible you know, like, and you know, what you were going through was so tough, but that's great that even in a, in a, I guess, shock response, he, you know, was so open to it. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was super supportive. So we had like nights, I guess, like he would come to me and be like, right, I'm seeing this girl on Wednesday night. And I was like, cool, I'll book in my girl on Saturday night. And we did that for, I'm going to say, I just had the one person he, I think he only had one from memory and that lasted about six months and it got wow. harder and harder and harder Yeah, because I thought that that would be enough, but it wasn't like I would, I wanted to be in a relationship. I wanted to be holding hands with a woman going down the street. I wanted to be, I, I didn't want to go to this person's house and then have to catch an Uber home. Like it was not, I the more it went on, the more I was like, actually, I'm here and I really want to be here. You wanted them to be a part of your life, not just Yeah, sex. I wanted to be in a relationship with a woman, not a man. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously he could see that I was just like slipping away and I had this like guilt about it. So it was like the balance at home just went, it erupted. It was so out of balance that everything just was harder on both of us. So I just, yeah, one night was like, I actually am gay and I cannot live in this house anymore and be like this. And I had so much guilt because ultimately I was the one that I'm not, I don't want to say tore the family apart, but that's how I felt at the time. Yeah. So I left with um, a bag of clothes for me and the kids. We had nothing. And I lived in my mum's spare room, the three of us, in a double bed for six months. And that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And when you told him that you just couldn't do this relationship entirely, was his reaction then, that's not okay, Oh yeah, need to leave? Yeah, he was... Fury. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have praised him so much before. No, no, no. You didn't know the, didn't know the story. <laughs> he, um, he was. Everyone has their moment. I know. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a. I thought it was going to be a situation that was going to work. I was thinking it was a win-win. Now I feel bad. I mean, it is now. That time, it, he was understandably furious. So I had this mentality of I don't deserve anything. I pretty much at that time gave up the mortgage, gave up all my possessions everything. And yeah, me and the kids did that. I got back on my feet. I had to get a new bank account. I tried so hard to find a job and I felt like my whole life jobs just landed at my feet. And then one time when I was at rock bottom, Mm. obviously that's being like, even if you think you're walking around confident, like nothing's wrong, obviously it's like, mm -mm, no, something's wrong. So I found that six months at mum's to be like the worst and the best time ever because she ran me baths and cooked me food and cuddled me to sleep at night with the kids and, you know, got the kids ready for bed when I couldn't even move. Like, so I think I needed that at the time. But yeah, it was. So were you sharing custody at that time or was it solely you? Um, no, so his shifts make it hard for him to have um, a lot of time with the kids, but we do it uh, still now. It's about, I'm going to say 80% me, 20% him. Yeah. And that's, and most of the time, like he'll have them. I have them most weekends and I work full time Monday to Friday. So like this week it works out that he's having them Tuesday, Wednesday night. So it makes it hard because by the time I finish work, there's oh not much. Oh my gosh, Yeah downtime I guess for me because it's just constant work and kids and then you'll have them on a Tuesday night and I'm like Ugh, like what am I going to do on a Tuesday night yeah like, absolutely wild <laughs> yeah yeah to then just like wake up and work on Wednesday yeah. so it does trying to find the balance but then at the same time like that's the only way he can do it he works weekends so yeah and then so what happened after those six months I like um, we're like Southern Gold Coast. I was living Northern Gold Coast in my mum's room 
and the drive to get the kids to school here and then working Corumban at the time when I finally got the job, I was just like a squirrel. Like I was just, I would hmm. buy a couch and be like, no, you keep that aside for when I get a house. And I was doing that with everything. And then I was viewing so many houses and I'd like walk in with the kids and people were just like, oh, single mom, like, oh, you're yeah. working casual. Nah. And I didn't really have a rental history because um, I was like, mom, and then we bought a house. So I had no rental history or anything. It was just like me and these kids couldn't, I, I really struggled with trying to get a house. Like every real estate agent was just like, sorry, no, you've been declined. Sorry, no, you've been declined. And then I met this, I was at a really disgusting unit looking at this unit with the kids and the real estate agent was like, what are you after? And I was like, this. And she was like, no, seriously, what are you after? And I was like, this. Anything. And she was like, <laughs> why? And I was like, oh, I, like, I just, this is within my price range. And, and she was like, where are you living at the moment? And I was like, oh, my, my mom's spare room and was like kind of embarrassed and she was like, you're not going to get this place, but it's disgusting. But why, like, you're not going to get it because the owner's picking who's in it. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, I'm just sorry. She's not going to pick you. And I was like, oh, that's okay. And she was like, can I have your number? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I gave her my number and she called me that night. She's like, what's your email address? And I gave it to her and she sent through like six units oh. in Burley. And she's like, I get to pick the tenant's for these six. So please pick the one you want and it's yours. And there was this cute old little beach shack unit that was like, and she, she was like, it's ugly. It's bright red and it's this and it's black and white checkers. And I was like, I love it. (laughs) I love it. It's perfect. So, and I think I got the keys like two days later and it was so weird. I was looking through photos the other day of me moving into the unit with the kids and we literally had a TV on the floor, a pink velvet couch that a, a friend of mine that owned a tattoo studio it was in the waiting room and she was like, it's disgusting, take it. And <laughs> it's like, eclectic. Yeah. It goes with your red house. <laughs> yeah. So I had this like empty unit and there's all these photos of me and the kids in there with like a couch, a TV, a record player and a box of records. And that's all we had for so long and now... We've, I've got too much stuff. But you like know what? Was- At that time, what you you may not have had material stuff, but you were exactly where you were meant to be, and you were filled with love, knowing that you felt like you've done the right thing. And for those kids, that would outweigh a whole room filled with electronics and. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah, to say to see you make a decision that was like right for your heart, even if it meant that you know, things weren't going to be as easy. Like it would have been easier, I guess, in every other way to just stay in the situation that you were in. Absolutely. And that's where my head was the whole time. I was like the easiest thing, like we've got a home, we've got the four of us, we've got the dogs, like Mm. this is the easiest option was to stay. And I thought that's what I would do, even though I kept being like, it's not what I want. It's what's best for the kids. But then my mental health at that time was so poor that I remember Scout at like four was like, mom, every time I talk to you, all you do is stare at the floor and go, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, I'm not functioning. Like I had my mom and my twin and all these people I'd lost. So like, I've always been tiny, but at that point I was like, getting stared at walking down the street because I was just so stressed and skinny and I couldn't even, I talk a lot. I am a huge (laughs) talker, as you would have known from the event. I can't shut up. And at that point in my life, I couldn't string a sentence together. And even my four-year-old could tell something was wrong. And that's when I was like, this isn't the best thing for the kids. The best thing for the kids is for me to be living how I want to live and for their dad to find someone who truly loves yes. him him and have two happy parents. So was he he was happy with the situation to be in a platonic relationship with you and then just like have a sexual relationship outside of the house. Like that that was fulfilling for him. And that's not judging him. Like I know everyone's after different things, but that was honestly 
I feel like he would have just, even if he wasn't happy with that, he would have pretended to be happy with it to save the family unit. Yeah. But then at the same time too, like I remember even when I was having the surgeries and sex was off the cards, I remember being like, then you can find someone else to have sex with because you can't have sex with me. And he was like, no, like that's. You were almost like, please go have sex with somebody else. Yeah, please. So you've moved into your retro pad with your velvet couch and everyone's fulfilled and you're starting to feel back on track, which is wonderful. At this time, did you tell and like sit down with your dad and have this discussion that this is your confirmed choice? Yeah, so I had told mum first because she could tell something was up and she kept asking and asking and then I had I had a bag packed ready to go to mum's and had sort of hidden it under my daughter's bed and she knew that it was coming and she was like out of nowhere one day it was like Are, you're gay that's why isn't it and I was like yes and she was like oh my god she was like I don't even know why that came out of my mouth like right right and then she was like oh. and then she was like high school that girl. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she was like, oh, and she was like, oh, how are you going to tell your dad? And I was like, I don't know. It went so bad. So in this time, had your mum and dad separated? Like, is your dad, was your dad openly gay at this point? No, 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 he had, he never was. And then we found out later, they were waiting, mum and dad were waiting for us to graduate high school to officially separate because they thought that would be better for us, I guess. Um, So then dad moved in with the guy but still was not gay. They were just best friends that lived together. (laughs) Swimming naked in a pool. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. But he just couldn't. And I remember the amount of times me and my sister just being like, oh, please, like we are suffering so much. Can you please just be honest with us you don't have you we would like you've raised us to be so okay with this why can't you just be honest with us and he'd be like I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not and then I invited him over for breakfast one morning and we were sitting down at the front of my house and I remember just being like heart felt like it was just going to come out of my chest and he was like what's going on like something is going on and I was just like I'm gay and I waited for him to just be like angry again. And he gave me a cuddle and was like, welcome to the club. And just like gave me this like big oh God, cuddle. So all over. And I was like, oh, like finally, like we had been oh. begging for this. It's like, just say it, dad, just say it. And um, yeah, they've been so supportive ever since. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that he came around to the idea yeah and is just um so I've been seeing this girl for not very long and uh she just bought a house down the road from my mum and my dad who also live down the road from each other (laughs) and they're both just showing so much interest in her and that's beautiful you know came and had a look at the house when she bought it and it's just com- a, com- a dynamic that I just, I'd never seen. And now I'm at this point where I've got this girl that the kids love and I love and my mom loves her and my dad loves her and the kid's dad loves her. Like they talk all the time and they're all, like it's just if I had seen this yeah. two years ago, I wouldn't have believed it. I would have been like there's no way that we can all live peacefully like this and yeah. everyone loves everyone and yeah, it's almost like to follow this, I have to make sacrifices. Yeah. It's almost like there has to be some negative that comes with choosing this path. Exactly. Yep. And does your ex-partner have a partner now? Um, no. He did for a little bit. And even I got along with her really well. Like we were taking the kids to time zone together. And <laughs> <laughs> so anytime, well, I guess that was the only time he was really seeing someone, but we're both big on family and we want what's best for the kids. So far that's been when either of us have had a partner. It's, hey, this is my best friend and we all get along. And maybe that would be different if I had gone from one straight relationship to another. Mm. I don't think it would have had the same dynamic, but I think there's just this understanding of like, I'm gay, 
no one is a threat. Yeah. We can all just be friends. Like I can be friends with his new partner when he gets one because she doesn't have to worry about me. Yeah. I'm gay. And same goes with, you know, yeah. my partners. No, that makes sense. I mean, it shouldn't have to be like that. I guess we can, it shouldn't have whether to be, you're straight like, or not, you still have different types and different, I guess, preferences. Hard, but, I, but I get that it does almost just make it cut and dry a bit clearer for everyone. Yeah. And I think I'm lucky that everyone in my life, you know, girlfriend, ex-husband, all that, everyone's main priority is the kids and the kids are thriving on everyone getting along. And, you know, Easter morning, we all had breakfast together for Easter and the kids are thriving off that. And everyone around is just like, that's the best thing for the kids. And do you have any tips? Like, I guess when you grew up, even though, you know, you had this, this secret with your dad and you knew a lot about the gay community, I imagine at the time life was still pretty like, heteronormative like how can we raise our kids to not just see heterosexuality as as the default and you know mum and dad as the default I guess for me obviously I was I was thinking about those things more because I'm in it I remember even when I was with the kids dad I was buying lots of kids books that the story was about two mums or two dads or there was one book I bought and this was, you know, when I wasn't really going, I think I'm gay, but the story was about two koalas that were like the granddads were gay and that worked well for my situation because the kid's granddad Mm. is gay and I remember buying the book to try and make the kids understand about their pars. Mm. There's so many books like that out there that I intentionally buy to have the kids made more aware. I've also got so many gay friends who have gone through IVF and had kids. So they have two mums and we're around them all the time. So it's hard for me because that's just always been my normal because they're just naturally been my friends. And I was a photographer a little bit. So I was shooting a lot of gay weddings. I was shooting, um, I had these friends that had a baby and I was doing their maternity shoot with two mums and the kids saw that even when I was in the house with Mm. their dad, that sort of stuff was always so normal to them. And I think maybe, and this is bad on my end, my daughter Vega has this friend at school and the mum messaged me saying, hey, our daughters were running around the school together today with like their school bags under their shirts saying that they were lesbians and they were having a baby together and rah, rah, rah. And I instantly took it as she was negative about it. So I went back being like, I'm so sorry. I Like I felt like I had to justify it. I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to like have Vega be like that or rah, 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 rah. And she wrote back being like, I think it's actually amazing that you have raised your kids to think that that's so normal. And when she wrote that to me, she didn't know I was gay. Like she, she didn't know. So, but she was just like, I think it's amazing that your daughter even knows that gay people can have babies. And you know, that, that that's the first thing she said before I'll be the dad and you can be the mom that, yeah. And she didn't even know I was gay. So also so interesting that your default is to apologize for that as though your child is like corrupting her child and it's not, it's only letting her see a more full diverse life, but I get it. Like you, yeah. Yeah. I felt like almost bad. Like, Oh my God, am I putting gay on the kids and then I was like it's not funny <laughs> gay <laughs> you know what I mean but you do it it's the same even in like movies and stuff you know when they're like oh the kids are seeing gay things that the gay is gonna rub off on them I well, like think half maybe, of America right now like you know if you talk yeah, you're, exactly. you're, you're, you're gonna make them all gay it's like that's not yeah, really how and, it works so I had this guilt when really maybe you know and even my boss they've got this whole family on the side with like a gay, like their two gay best friends and the boss's husband has helped with that whole family. Everyone around me is so open and supportive of it that I think people are caught up more than I have realised. Yeah. How did you know for people who may be in similar situations like yours, like what were the feelings, I know you briefly touched on them, but what were the feelings throughout your life that really made you feel 
that you were gay, even before meeting your husband and not liking sex? Did you know before then? Like, Because I think especially as women, we're so open to saying like, you know, obviously I find Jade attractive. Thanks. You're attractive, but I'm not like sexually attracted to both yeah. of you. I feel like as women, we're way better at appreciating other women. Like how do exactly. we know where? Yeah, where's where's the line? Like, Or is there no line? Yeah. No, I, well, for me, I remember even being like 10 and I remember being at like the horse race, like Ranwick race day or something with my mom. And I remember making friends with this girl who had like short hair and was quite boyish. And I was just like, I remember just like loving her and like all day just being like, we got along so well. And I remember even still now remembering that one random day with this girl there were like little things like that a lot. And even in high school with this girl that I was just like absolutely inseparable with, I knew she was gay. She knew she was gay. I was just like infatuated with her and it was different to being infatuated with my other girlfriends. Like yeah. there was just, it's like extra pool there. And yeah. that happened a lot. And I just thought that was normal. I thought that was me being a girl that appreciates other girls and being like, oh, she's attractive or she's attractive. But it was definitely more than that but I didn't really click and even I don't know if this is gonna make me sound like a creep but when the kids had swimming lessons one day I remember just like the swim teacher walking and I remember being like whoa look at her legs she's got great legs and then I was like is that in a like just a girl like no but that makes sense but it felt I think maybe it felt different. Like I look at girls in the street all the time and I'm like, oh my God, that girl's so pretty. That girl's so pretty. That girl's so pretty. But it's in like the way you're talking about Mm. of like, I guess the type of person, the type of girl that I'm say normally attracted to in like a lesbian way is definitely more masculine than me. Like I could not, I'm not very feminine, but I look at girls more feminine than me and I'm like, wow, they're so pretty, but it's not in a sexual way. It's like having different taste in men. You've got different taste in women. And I can appreciate that someone can be really attractive. I'm just not sexually attracted to them. Well, that's them. like when people say, oh, someone who's bi, so like they can pick anyone. And it's like, well, no, like they're still going to have preferences. It doesn't mean that like they're attracted to some old man or, you know, like yeah. they're not attracted to every man and every woman. They just could be attracted to men and women. Like, Yeah, and because I went through a big stage where I was like, like I'm I'm bi like that's what I'd thought for a long time but I I thought I thought I was a bisexual asexual I guess like I was attracted to men and women and could appreciate both but I guess I wasn't having sex with women and I didn't really like having sex with men so I was like (laughs) I don't know what I am but I guess and in, in saying that with women I absolutely have always had a type but with men, I never did. And mm. I think maybe that's just the lack no of attraction time. there. <laughs> yeah. There was no time because there was like every sort of boyfriend I was with, even in high school and out of high school, there was no type there. But with women, there is absolutely a type. And now that you've let go of, I guess, I'm assuming a lot of that shame and, you know, you're open, like, do are you still asexual or do you feel no absolutely not no okay good on you I am like (laughs) I'm I'm surprised it was honestly that was the one thing that made me be like oh I'm just gay (laughs) (laughs) and it's and that's nice as well because for my whole life I was like I wish I liked sex like everybody else like everybody loves sex so much and I remember just being like what's the big deal Mm. I don't I don't like it where now I'm like, I'm normal. Yeah. Not normal, but for me, like just wanting to really enjoy it and just being like, damn it, I don't, that sucks. And I hope you don't mind me asking this, but I I wonder if there's other people listening who, you know, are, are going through, I guess, what you went through a few years ago. When you started having sex with women, was that intimidating? Like, how do you know, like, where to begin? Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah, it was. So the very first time I did, I was kind of lucky because we were friends for a few months before it got to that. So I felt very safe with that person and they were very aware of the situation. Um, So they were quite 
comforting with it as mm. well. And they had their boundaries. I had my boundaries. We could communicate them before it went further. And then like my girlfriend now, that was probably the most, I had to be like this 34-year-old woman that goes, I've never actually yeah. Yeah. done anything. And I just had to be like super honest with her because I was like, I can't, I'm not the type of person to act confident and be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And then I was just like, I've just got to straight up say. I'm a virgin pretty much. I'm a virgin pretty much. So if I suck, that's why. And I think that's why for a year I didn't like even hook up with anyone, talk to anyone, because I was like, how embarrassing to be a single mum at 34 and not know how to have sex with a woman. Yeah, but you needed to be, you're the type of person that obviously needs to feel safe emotionally before you can then feel physically able. Absolutely. And I've been like that my whole life. Like I've never been able to just jump into bed with someone. I've had to always feel very safe with the person first. But yeah, that was that was super scary. The first time I'm going to say, which was with my girlfriend now, I was like, how embarrassing. I'm going to, I'm not going to know what to do. But she was fine. She understood. And she was just like, you're yeah, a fast it, learner. She's like, I'll show you the ropes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. She showed me the ropes. And I'm a quick learner. So it was <laughs> good. And she's just, yeah. It is, it's something that even when you're like, it, when you're 15 or 16 or whatever, and you're doing it for the first time and there's like, it's so scary and you think you don't know what you're doing and then. Yeah. But unfortunately then no one really teaches you because most yeah, of the time true. it's some dickhead 16 year old <laughs> guy who's not teaching you anyway. So as much as you found it embarrassing at 34, I'm sure she was a much better teacher than any 16-year-old boy who was probably pretending they were like so experienced but <laughs> they they were just a jackhammer. Yeah, and girls are just a bit more better with that kind of thing, I think, maybe because, yeah, I don't know, but even prior to that I have lesbian friends that were like, here's a tutorial and they would like send me tutorials. <laughs> You're like too much. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Hold on a minute. And then I just like. Oh, what was that link again? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and if there's anyone listening who, you know, is is just not feeling like their relationship's right. So whatever reason they think a separation is on the cards, you know, even if it's completely unrelated to sexuality, what tips do you have now that you're somewhat on the other side? I think for me, when I went through everything, I was like the worst rock bottom scenario for me is packing a bag and sleeping in my mum's spare room. I was like, for me, that was worst case scenario. And it ended up being best case scenario. And I feel like you can build all this up in your head to be awful. But I don't know too many people, too many mums who have been in as bad of a situation as I was in terms of literally leaving with nothing. Like I didn't have a dollar. I didn't have a thing. And it was fine. Like it sucked. But you're I got okay. through it. I, yeah, we are all okay. And if anything, I feel like I was one of those people who luckily for a lot of my life, everything did always just fall into place. I'd never really had to prove myself to myself. And in that time, I did more than I ever thought I yeah. was capable of doing. I was stronger than I ever thought I could be. I had to do everything on my own. And it was obviously not for me too, but I don't think I would have survived or like made it that far if it wasn't for the kids. Mm. And if anything, the best thing that came out of it was how much that sucked because I look back now still and go, whoa, I can't believe I made it through all that. And I, I can't can believe hard things. I did all this on my own, like no help. And now I'm working my butt off and the kids are happy. And I thought like my situation in my head at the time was worst case scenario. And I feel like, honestly, if I can do it with absolutely nothing and come out as good as I have, that's a pretty good sign that if you're in a shitty situation or you're not feeling safe or comfortable, or you like, you don't feel like the situation you're in is best for you all the kids you've 
got even if you think you can't do it you can if that's what you genuinely want yeah. and I'm not saying that in a way to be like hey leave your partner or leave it'll your be happy sunshine home. and rainbows yeah it's, it's not but if if there is something that's not sitting right in your stomach or you are not where you're meant to be yeah, listen to your gut whatever reason yeah it's so doable because I feel like I'm chaos and I'm still did it and are you still living in your red house with velvet chair no, um, I'm living in the unit next door now um, <laughs> because they put it up for sale and I became friends with the neighbour and she was like, you can move into my house. Oh, so I'm now good. living in the unit block next door. But the reason I'm sitting on my floor at the moment is because I am once again packing and I am uh, moving back into the house that I bought oh. nine years ago. And the kid's dad is moving in here and we're doing a house swap so he can rent for a little bit and I can get back into the home. Awesome. I will yeah. say as, as much as this wasn't one of your tips, I guess one of the things I've learnt from this conversation is to never assume how someone's going to react to a conversation. So obviously when you first went to your ex-partner and said, I'm gay, I assumed that he would be defensive and angry by that. And then the second conversation that was, you know, this open relationship isn't serving me. I thought that would be an easier conversation, but he didn't react so well to that. And then I guess you assumed that your dad was going to be super angry with you or ashamed of you for being gay, but then he hugs you and finally admits that he's gay. And I think sometimes we can so often put off conversations because we assume what the reaction's going to be. And sometimes it is exactly what the assumption is. And still we have to go well I'm not in control of what their reaction is but sometimes I think we put off conversations because we do go to worst case scenario reaction when often it's somewhere in between absolutely and I am like the reason I was so honest about the whole thing was because I didn't want to lie but I am also so scared of confrontation I will do anything to avoid confrontation I will light my house on fire and run away (laughs) same me I get so I'm such a weakling and I get so scared to do it but in this situation it was I had I guess the situation with dad in the back of my head being like I have to do the opposite of what Mm. he did so Mm. I had to be probably not confrontational but probably have hard conversations that in most aspects of my life I'm not good at hard conversations I don't know how to have them but in this situation I just they had to be like that and they did yeah go completely different to how I thought they would especially the one at the end with dad being like dad I'm gay and he's like welcome to the club yeah you don't know how other people are going to react or perceive things and sometimes it can be worse than what you think but you've said your bit and you've been honest and you walk away feeling a bit better for that I guess well thank you so much for joining us today and being so honest you've been an absolute joy to speak with and even though I've only met you today I'm so proud of how far you've come and for taking such a big leap because yeah as we said in some ways it would have just been easier to just stay in what you were in so yeah thank you so much for your honesty thank you guys thanks for listening absolute pleasure thanks for listening to this episode of beyond the bump if you enjoyed it please subscribe and give us a review if you didn't good on you you can also follow us on instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes we'll see you next week bye bye